What we talk about all the time is that there's not really one area that's better than another. What it is, is about the deal that comes up today, right? There might be a deal in Florida today that's worth buying, right? Do we have our eyes on it or not is a different question. Uh, but that's what we do in our local areas. We constantly have our eyes out there looking to see if there is a really good deal. So I look at every single home that hits the MLS. Unlike any other realtor out there that's kind of setting up automated property alerts, and maybe they look at you know homes from four hundred to six hundred thousand for their client that has four plus bedrooms, we look at every single thing because the deal could be anywhere. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Tyler Kuhn on our show today. And just to make it clear for the record before we get into this, Tyler stole our name. So Tyler <laughs> oh, is from Savvy Realty. Um, no, I'm, I'm only kidding. When we first, when I first met Tyler, it was like, hey, like we're just connected because, you know, Savvy Realty is working with Savvy Real Estate Group. So anyway, Tyler, thank you for being on the show. Tyler is actually a realtor and he owns a, uh, a team of uh, a brokerage team uh, in the United States that specifically focuses on short-term rentals. And that is how we met Tyler. We actually have done business with his team before. And we brought him on the show today specifically to talk about uh, from an agent's perspective, an agent who does high volume, who works specifically with investors who deal with short-term rentals to kind of give us some boots on the ground down low about the industry, about finding deals, about why short-term rentals versus long-term rentals, because you know he's specifically chosen to niche in on this industry and build out, if I may say, one of the most awesome teams. His agents are fantastic. The cool thing about them is that they are all investors. So working with an agent who is actually doing what, you know, walking the talk, doing what they say they're going to do, buying their own properties, managing their own properties, and giving investors such a unique perspective on that. So I am very excited to have this conversation today. Tyler, thank you for being on the show. And maybe you can just uh, give our audience a brief introduction about yourself, how you got into this industry, and uh, maybe a little bit about the Savvy Realty team and what you guys are up to. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Jose and Khadija, for having me on. So yeah, I'm really excited and hopefully I don't talk everybody's ear off on this one. Um, so my name is Tyler Kuhn. I'm the owner of Savvy STR Agents. And uh, right in the name there, we're short-term rental agents. And I think to Khadija's point, we're also investors. And I always get the question, well, aren't I competing with you on every deal? And I wish I could buy $55 million of real estate a year, but I don't make that much money. So um, no, all the ones that I want to buy are the ones that I'm pitching to my investors, right? And so for me, that is um, 
that's my value, right? The, the, that's my morals is that I won't ever sell a property that I wouldn't personally buy myself as a short-term rental. And that's the advice that myself and the agents on my team give to our investor clients is, would we buy this or not and why? Um, so I think a lot of times what we're looking for nowadays is really a more unique property, right? Um, and so just like the one that you just bought in Banner Elk is a really, really unique structure that really can't be replicated very easily. And so really look looking for something that is totally unique. Um, that could be just the purchase price, right? The deal size, uh, the, the square footage that you've got, um, or, or the location, proximity to something. And uh, and so for us, what we're looking for are those really unique properties nowadays. And we're today we're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, and we just opened Gatlinburg, Tennessee as well, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, no. And I wanted to kind of touch on um, that you actually come from Tampa, Florida, yeah. and you decided to move to um, Asheville area or uh, Lake James now specifically. Uh, tell us about that. What made you move? And, you know, maybe even get into the beach versus uh, mountain market. Yeah, absolutely. So my parents were the first ones to move up here. Uh, they're what is called here halfbacks. And what that means is they moved from New York, where it was way too cold. They went all the way down to Florida, where it was way too hot. And they came kind of back in the middle here in North Carolina. And it's such a popular migration for people that there is literally a term for it, which is called a halfback because they've come halfway back. And so it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, I think that there are so many Floridians here because, um, you know, you get into this area and it's so different than what you're used to in Florida. You actually have some like rolling mountains, you have temperate weather. In Florida, it's either too cold in the winter or, or way too hot in the summer. And it's just always extremes. And, uh, and, and I think there's just so many people there. We went back to Florida last year and tried to go to the beach and we didn't stay directly on the beach. We stayed, you know, kind of where I used to live. And it took us two hours just because of all the traffic and all the people there to actually get to the beach. So I was thinking like, man, I would love to move back and, and, you know, kind of live the beach lifestyle, but you can't even get to the beach anymore. It's, it's a, you know, a whole day event to get there and back. Um, rather than when I was growing up, I used to be able to go for a couple hours and just hang out and, and there wasn't so much traffic. So, um, for me, you know, Western North Carolina, the mountains here are just, there's just some incredible, uh, captivating, charming, like, you know, quaint mountain town vibe to it that, um, you know, is like, like I said, really captivating and it's hard to lose, uh, that sense of peace when you come into the mountains. So we did an RV trip all around the country in 2021 and coming, we went to Glacier National Park and Yellowstone and we went all out West and we went up the East coast and still coming back into Western North Carolina was one of the most beautiful places for us in the country, My, outside of Glacier. But I, you can't live in Glacier. You know, it's, it's eight, 18 feet of snow, nine months a year there. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, aside from, you know, obviously the sentimental pull and this this beauty in the North Carolina region, talk to us about some of the fundamentals, um, because uh, for me, um, I'm going to I'm going to just speak from my own experience here. Um, you know, we're Canadians. 
Uh, when we started our journey uh, looking at short-term rentals, we wanted to get into the U.S., obviously a larger market, um, you know, and uh, the returns were extremely good compared to what we were seeing, uh, you know, in our local market. So we decided to go into the U.S. Now the U.S. is like this massive map of like hundreds and hundreds of places that you could invest. And uh, something led us to North Carolina as well. And I'll be honest, Tyler convinced me. Tyler uh, told me a lot about the region, not just from the STR numbers themselves, but from the economic fundamentals of the markets that we are investing in, which is always really important to Jose and I. We, you know, we are big believers in economic fundamentals and long-term investing. So maybe you can kind of give our listeners a little bit of the spiel about North Carolina, some of the economics there and why it makes sense to invest in North Carolina, uh, both from a long-term as well as sort of a a cash-on-cash income-generating perspective as well. Yeah. So I think just looking at it from a real estate investment standpoint, you've got the second largest net gain of new residents last year in North Carolina compared to the other 50 states. So you have a ton of demand always coming in. Um, As you can kind of see on the West Coast, the people investing in Arizona um, and California, their values out there are dropping like crazy. And we're seeing a massive migration out east here. We've got water, you know, we've got better weather. Um, And so when you're doing any sort of real estate investing, you want to make sure you're buying in an area that's going to appreciate no matter what the economic conditions are in the country, right? So let's say we did go into a mild recession or something like that. It would be really, really tough for our homes to depreciate here because there's still going to be massive amount of demand. People still moved in 2008, 2009. There were still millions of home sales in those years. So you really want to focus on areas that are seeing a bigger migration in than out. So we have the second highest net gain of residents in the country. Uh, On top of that now, and that's just the entire state, right? So then you come to Western North Carolina, which is in the mountains, and you get another kind of unique thing, which is there is no big swaths of buildable land left anywhere in Western North Carolina. You're talking about the mountains and the valleys, and the valleys are already all built up, right? That's where Asheville is, that's where Maggie Valley is, and Waynesville. And so it would be impossible for, let's say, DR Horton, the biggest home builder in America, to come in here and put up 2,000 homes in a neighborhood. There's nowhere to do it. And so we have massive demand, we have this geographical constraint on supply, which means we have massive appreciation all the time, and there's nothing that will ever change that. Um, and so for me, that's why I feel really comfortable investing here. On top of that, you have uh, some of the lowest property taxes in the country in Western North Carolina. So, you know, I'm, I just bought a place for $850 in February. My property taxes are $2,500 a year. It's nothing compared to Florida or even Gatlinburg that just saw a double increase in their property taxes over there. Uh, and then North Carolina is one of the lowest insurance claim states in the country as well. So your insurance is really, really low here. Whereas over in Florida, you know, I just talked to Chris Cheatham, who owns Steadily, which is a a big major short-term rental or landlord insurance brokerage. And he said he would not be surprised if they see more than 100% increase in premiums this year for Florida across the board. And, and that's just crazy, you know, considering their insurance is sometimes already in five digits a year. If, if you know, if it goes from 10 to 20,000, that's a massive piece of your cash flow a year Absolutely. just wiped out. 100%. Yeah. And I think people aren't thinking deeply about that, right? Because when they're looking at properties, sometimes, you know, you're running analyzers, you're running calculators. And um, 
it's hard to determine that value. Like a previous, the previous homeowner may give you their numbers, but you need to understand like what's happening with the insurance rates. And a hundred percent, Tyler, like we've been looking at uh, the Florida markets as well. And it does greatly affect or compress your returns more yeah. than people, more than people would like to, uh, to know. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah I, I think it's really scary. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that, you know, with the, with the hurricane, it just, uh, in some cases doubled, right. And, and maybe it's, there's more, uh, hikes to go. Yeah. And, and I think that, it, uh, from, in my humble opinion, that also goes back to property values because ultimately property values are based on affordability. Um, just like with interest rate changes, um, that has affected property values in certain markets, right? So with increases in insurance rates, it's going to ultimately somehow translate back into affordability, which will translate back into to home prices. So I think that yeah. all those things are important considerations more so even when you're looking at the short-term rental space. So yeah. um yeah, maybe talk to us a little bit about um you know what your focus is when you're working with investors and how you're able to like for somebody who's listening on our show today who's potentially maybe in Canada and looking to uh branch out into the United States, maybe pick a market like North Carolina or um you know, Tennessee or Kentucky or wherever, um, how would they start to determine like which market they would go into and, um, you know, start to determine what the right fit is for them? Yeah. So for us, we specifically look at markets um, that we know are going to sustain over the long term. And so that you're not seeing rapid changes, either depreciation or even appreciation, because there are markets, uh, you know, I think that are out there that saw massive, massive appreciation during COVID that I could see their their prices coming down to something like 20%. But if you come in and you spend a million dollars, that's $200,000 poof out of your net worth. And so that's really scary for me. So we we really like to focus on locations that um, are still affordable these days, and they didn't see a massive boom. And that's exactly what happened in Arizona, right? And they saw a massive boom during COVID, and now they're seeing 20, 40% drop in home prices. And so uh, that's the sort of areas we like to focus on. For kind of a new listener coming in to work with us, I would say, get on our calendar, and I'm sure we've got a link somewhere in the show notes here, um, and, uh, and, and just get on a phone call and chat with us, right? Chat with me, chat with Tony, what we talk about all the time is that there's not really one area that's better than another. What it is, is about the deal that comes up today, right? There might be a deal in Florida today that's worth buying, right? Do we have our eyes on it or not is a different question. Uh, but that's what we do in our local areas. We constantly have our eyes out there looking to see if there is a really good deal. So I look at every single home that hits the MLS, unlike any other realtor out there that's kind of setting up automated property alerts. And maybe they look at, you know, homes from 400 to 600,000 for their client that has four plus bedrooms. We look at every single thing because a deal could be anywhere. Uh, just like your property, you know, typically we look at uh, places that are like 3,500 to 5,500 square feet. We can find the best returns, but what, I mean, I think yours is like 800 square feet. And then what we found was there was actually comps for a small one bedroom place that was doing $170,000 a year, right? And uh, and it's simply because what they turn the property into. So not are we not only are we looking out for what the deal is in the beginning, but we're looking for the potential of what it could be by the time we're done with it. And so a lot of times that means design changes, uh, adding amenities, adding hot tubs, you know, looking at what is the, the potential for some outdoor activities, um, 
This is a place I just bought in in uh, Fletcher, right outside of Asheville, for eight fifty. We put in a movie theater. I built a cool like pergola fire pit area out back with some swings on it. Um, and we're a little bit over budget at this point, but it also came out, uh, it turned out a lot better than I thought it was going to. Um, so we're really excited to get that launched. And, you know, my cash on cash return on that should still be around 25%, even though I overspent just a little bit on the design aspect. But what we found, and we actually have case studies that we can send people where when you do overspend on design upfront and you put in even more amenities than you were thinking, that you always make that money back in extra revenue on top of what we were initially projecting. And we've got a great designer that we can refer people to. Um, and it is expensive and, and it's definitely not as cheap as it used to be to get into, but we found that it's well worth it. To put that money in, it always comes out on the other end, at least in, in Western North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, for instance, and South Carolina, as well as a big one like Myrtle Beach. The design out there is horrible. Everything you look at and not only that, but one interesting article I read about Myrtle Beach this week was that they have the dirtiest hotels in America. So <laughs> where are people going to want to go stay when they go there? They're going to be specifically looking out on Airbnb for a real clean place. And so uh, we're really, really focused on design there as well. Absolutely. No, I mean, you covered a lot of great points there. Uh, and that was that was actually going to be a couple, of, a couple of my next questions is you know, <laughs> Sorry. design and uh <laughs> You know the amenities right like uh especially now you really need to stand out right there's going to be increasing competition so how what kind of amenities and what do you need to do in today's market to help you stand out yeah i think uh what we kind of looked at was we would we used to go into a property maybe two years ago. This is when interest rates were a lot lower. So you had the flexibility to save costs in other places. And we would look at a property and say, okay, this is going to be 40,000 to furnish and put a hot tub, 30,000 in furniture and, and 10,000 for a hot tub. And now we look at that property and say, you need to put 80,000, right? Instead of the 40. And so we're looking at spending double upfront. We're putting in better game rooms. We're putting in amenities like movie theaters, indoor or potentially even outdoor movie theaters. Uh, really elevated luxury feeling throughout the, the property um, and then really great outdoor areas as well. And what we found, we have a case study, a magazine that we were showing around the conference in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, was that when you spent that extra, let's say 40000 for instance, you make that back in year one in extra revenue over and above what we initially projected the property to be. So if we were initially projecting 150,000 in revenue, that client actually did 190 or 200,000. And so it paid off that extra in one year and then every year after that, that's pure free profit cash flow, right? That is just net operating income right in your pocket. It doesn't increase the expenses to get that income, right? And so uh, for me, I'm looking at I would rather spend that money up front and it solved quite a few problems for our clients, right? They were able to charge the best rates. They didn't have to spend any money on marketing because they've moved immediately into page one. They have the best guests because the, the best guests are paying the most money. So their places are clean. They're not getting damaged. Uh, because they spent the money up front, they're not getting calls from their cleaner all the time. Like, hey, this and that is broken or this thing that you didn't fix is still broken. And so not only was it the most profitable properties that our clients launched, but they were also the easiest to manage and the easiest to get guests into. And so if you can build a portfolio like that, I think you're really talking about some real wealth there. 
Yeah, no. And I think that what you're saying is, is so, so important because when I first got into this game too, and I think a lot of listeners who are getting into the short-term space, a lot of them are coming from the long-term investing um, market. So they, they, you know, they have some rentals that they had long-term tenants in, and now they're looking for an alternative or to, to layer into their portfolio, some short-term rentals. At least that's, you know, there are some obviously newer short-term investors going straight into that, but a lot of us are, are, you know, layering it in. And I think that it is a little bit of a mindset shift because when you're looking at long-term rentals, you're just really looking at the box. Like you're looking at your bedrooms, your bathrooms, the size, the finish. Oh, do I have some nice quartz counters? Oh, I got some new shaker style cabinets. All right. Like I got the best product. I'm going to garner the premium rent and I'm good to go. Right. With this, it is a completely different mindset. Like you're really thinking, I think you got to really get your creative cap on and you got to really think about how you're going to blow it up. Like every single thing you do, you got to think, how am I blowing this up? Like when someone walks in here, like, am I magazine worthy? Would I be comfortable taking this property and asking someone to do a press release on my property? And if the answer is yes, then I am going to win at this. Right. And if the answer is no, because I just have that same cookie cutter, like uh, builder grade kitchen. And I have the yeah. same exact flooring as every nice property in the market. Like that is just not going to cut it anymore. And yeah. I think that when people are budgeting, they really need to take this into account. Do not spend your last penny on the down payment. Yeah. Right. Like if you got 50 K to invest, do not buy a property. That's going to be $45,000 in down payment and closing costs. Cause that ain't going to work. Right. So yeah. you almost need to just, if that's the case that you might as well buy the cheapest property you can buy and then spend like an equal amount of money or put aside an equal amount of money on, on doing this upright. So I think that, and, and is that a conversation that you have to have a lot with investors? Like, do people understand this or is this something that you're constantly educating people on? We're definitely educating people on it now um, because we've seen it a few times now. Most of the time, our clients take our advice. We have seen it a couple times now where, you know, I'll walk into a house with a client and I'm saying, the furniture is kind of dingy, right? It's been a short-term rental for 10 years on the mountain. The standards are really low. This is a benefit of investing in Western North Carolina is the standards are really low, but that doesn't mean that you can leave them low. It means if you bring them high, you won't have a lot of competition. You still have to do the work. So we've had a couple instances where our clients came in, we talked about, you need to do this. You need to put in a hot tub. You need to work on this outdoor area and put in these amenities. And then they don't do it right up front. They say, oh, well, the house already has some booking. So, you know, I'm just going to launch it or I'm just going to get through high season or I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do it today. And every single time that I've ever heard anybody say that they don't do well, because what happens is they go through the season, they just do okay, right? They, they don't knock it out of the park and then they're scared. Am I throwing good money after bad? And they get really tightened up about it. The problem is, is that we have so much appreciation from 2019 to 2021. So that appreciation is slower now than it was before. So if you have to turn around and sell a property the next season, it's going to be really, really hard for you to get out of it within profit after taxes and commissions and things like that. It's really, really tough to get you out of a property with any profit after just a year right? You need to hold it two, three years. That's when you really start seeing enough appreciation delta that you can walk away with some profit. So put the money up front. What Exactly what I did with my property. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in this movie theater. I'm going to put in these amount of beds. I'm going to put in all these amenities. And I just spent, and I just did it all. We just scheduled everyone. We didn't pinch pennies on things. I'm not saying overspend, right? Don't, don't be foolish with it. 
But when you've committed to the amenities and that's what the deal is based on, don't start crossing them off the list after you've bought it because you're crossing off revenue is what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit and you know talk a little bit about the business side of your, you know, the building a sales team, you know, uh, you know the the challenges of hiring and building, you know, recruiting agents and things like that. So, t- talk to us a little bit about those uh, that journey and and how that uh, kind of evolved. Yeah. So, um, back in 2021, as I was incredibly busy selling short term rentals. I started getting phone calls from my clients and they're saying, okay, well, where can I buy my next one? You know, do you have, and, and I would get it, for instance, I get a call from a client and he said, I want to buy in Snowshoe, West Virginia. And I said, okay, that's an area I've heard a lot about. It's interesting. Unfortunately, no, I don't know a short-term rental agent there. And so he went and he looked and he looked and he literally walked away from the market because he said, Tyler, I couldn't find you there. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I'm not that special. I'm just niched down and I just know what what to do, right? I'm looking at every single deal on the MLS. I'm picking out the unique ones. And then we focus on them really heavily with whatever investors we have at that time that are ready. And so I said, this is a scalable, repeatable process. And I think it would be valuable, not just for me, and, but also for the clients as well, because he wanted to be in that market, right? He thought that the, the fundamentals were there and he walked away from it just because he couldn't find an agent there. So I started thinking about what an expansion team would look like uh, with agents in different areas that was a little bit different than maybe some other short-term rental realtors out there on the market, right? Who are really just targeting like the big, huge vacation areas, Um, I wanted to kind of get into the smaller middle markets. And for me, that's where I think the most cash flow is. Because if you go to Gulf Shores, if you go to Destin or Panama City Beach, uh, Orlando, for instance, it is really hard to cash flow anymore. And uh, that's just because purchase prices are so high because so many investors bid the market up. And so for me, I was like, okay, well, I want to look at the Kentuckys. I want to look at the Missouris and the Arkansas and the South Carolinas. Um, And so for me, that's kind of where we're really focusing and building out our agents to fulfill a need for short-term rental investors, because there is a need. And I don't think it's going to stop, but I do think that it's going to come from middle America is where you're going to get your biggest returns, you know, and we've seen that time and time again, where college towns that have like, you know, really big sports teams or the, you know, college town with a big football team, like South Bend, Indiana, for instance, was some of the best short-term rental returns in the country. And and what it's all based on is the purchase price, right? Because if you buy something for 200,000, you don't need to make a hundred grand a year for it to knock it out of the park. You need to make 60. And that's a knockout of the park already. Right. Um, And so what we found was in these small areas, you can make 60 just in a football season. Right. And so uh, that's kind of what we're looking to do is grow into middle America and be the real estate team of choice for short term rental investors that want to really focus on the most cash flow. Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. And so, yeah, let's go back to that a little bit. And, um, you know, one of the struggles a lot of investors are having uh, today is that there is one software that most people are using, which is AirDNA to analyze all their data. And especially in some of these quote unquote middle markets that you're talking about, uh, the data is very difficult to understand and read because like you said, every property looks like uh, grandma just died in it. Um, and, uh, the ones that are, uh, running as short-term rentals are running very poorly. The standards are very 
very low. And so the data in return is showing numbers that just don't make sense. And I think this is where uh, the expertise of a team, uh, a team who's experienced as operators themselves comes into play. So maybe talk to us about that and how uh, the agents on your team are able to sort of, um, I guess, model as coaches almost in helping their clients not only vet the deal from uh, you know a core realtor perspective, but also understanding sort of the profitability and the potential of different properties and and maybe why people shouldn't write things off just because AirDNA says that it's going to make like $30,000 a year. Yeah. So I think if you look, so here is the overarching theme of our conversation so far is that you don't want to buy an average property. So if you go into AirDNA and you look at the rentalizer, what is it taking? It's taking an average of all the properties. So if your goal and your plan is not to be average, then why would you look at an average number? Right. And so I think that's really important for people to understand. I'm not saying ignore the data. I've never said ignore the data. We don't want to fluff the data up. But you're right. When we go into markets that have really average or even below average properties, we need to go specifically find the comparable properties in that market that um, are professionally managed, professionally designed, right? Like they're marketed really good. They have amazing photos. We need to go find those properties and replicate exactly what they've done, right? What are they doing in that market? So for Kentucky, for instance, it's a little bit different than Western North Carolina, where they don't get a lot of children, right? It's the bourbon trail. It's kind of more for adult groups and things like that. And so um, the buy box there is going to be a little bit different. And then the design element is going to be a little bit different in Kentucky than it is in Asheville as well. So I think to, to really answer your question, what do we do? We're investors ourselves. So we know what works, right? And and this is what I, I was talking with Tony in the Bourbon Trail about this the other day, which was, you know, it's, we try to buy real estate and we're always trying new things because we actually make more money on real estate sales than we do in our short-term rentals, right? And so, because it's our day job, it's what we spend most of our time doing. And so, Sometimes what we do is we take risks and we take chances and we change things up because we want to test things or almost like test casing for our investor clients, right? Um, and so I'm always doing new kind of innovative things at my properties, even if it doesn't so much make sense for my cash flow. I want to be able to go to my investors and say, hey, I put in this awesome like pergola fire pit area and people are raving about it in my reviews. My occupancy's gone up. I've been able to up my average daily rate. And now I can work on more properties with more clients that way. So, uh, you know, how do we know all those little things? We're investors ourselves, right? And so that's, I think, the biggest benefit for the client is that all of us are investors ourselves, we're building properties, buying new properties all the time, we're managing properties for others, we're designing properties, we're working with the designers a lot in, you know, sort of what's going to work well in this area. Uh, so this is our day job, right? Where a lot of investors still have their day job. We're in this 24-7 with our investors, with our clients, with our management clients. Uh, in fact, even myself, I teach other agents how to sell short-term rentals. And so for me, that's a little bit of practice as well, because anytime you're teaching, you're also learning something from, from the group that you're teaching. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say for us, it's just all about constantly practicing and, and kind of sharpening the knife there. Right, right. I, You know what? Uh, there's one thing I want to touch on is uh, the short-term rental management aspect. Uh, just maybe give us like maybe a few tips on because all of the short term rentals are primarily run remotely. 
And and that's maybe some of the um, one of the scary things that people may think that hey, I, how can I run this remotely? Maybe give us a couple of tips on um, you know getting across that fear. Yeah, so I think going just really back to my previous point. So if you consider the fact that we're all managing properties, we also own properties, and we're selling only short-term rentals. That means that we're constantly working with the vendors. Every day we're working with the existing and new vendors. Every couple of weeks, we need to find a new cleaner for a different area. Every couple of weeks, we're selling short-term rentals in multiple different areas around whatever our our coverage area is. So for me, Western North Carolina. And so uh, today, I can hook you up with a cleaner, a handyman. If you want to finish a basement, we've got a builder and, and to do construction. We can we have painters ready to go. These are all people we've used in the last month, either ourselves with our management clients or our clients have used. And if you call me again in six months and you say, hey, my cleaner quit, we're probably going to have a new person for you at that point already. And we can just go call a couple other clients that have closed there in the last six months and say, hey, who are you using? That's a 10 out of 10. We One of our other clients needs a cleaner. Who are you using that? That's really working out well for you. Um, so we've been able to solve a lot of those problems for people. I think we're, you know, with my management company, for instance, which I just sold recently, but I still, I'm still a little bit involved with. Um, you know, we stopped telling people that their number one thing that was cash flow that they should have anybody manage their property. It's just impossible anymore. With what you have to spend up front, the only way to get that back soon enough is to manage it yourself. And that's becoming easier and easier and easier. So we've added additional resources in all of our areas for um, self-management. And there are thousands of people doing it in every area. Most of our clients are from Canada or California or Texas or Florida. I think I've only ever worked with two locals to buy a short-term rental here. And I'm the number one agent in North and South Carolina out of all real estate agents. So um we've got people that can certainly help you out with, you know, from the vendor side of things to to do it easily. And the designer as well gets there and kind of gets all the boots on the ground stuff. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. It's about building that power team out and um, having the connections with the right people. So Tyler, as we kind of come to an end here, talk to us a little bit about what your vision is for the company for the next five years. And what's your personal vision? Like what, what do you want to do? Are you going to slow down anytime soon? Or do you have rooms for like, goals for more expansion? What, what is, uh, what, what's in store? Yeah. So for me personally, I want to be on the beach in Thailand, not leaving ever, uh, as soon as <laughs> possible. Um, but right now I'm, I'm in my low thirties. And so, yeah, I'm going to spend this decade building out a really cool real estate team, um, for us, our number one value is integrity. And I think that is really our mission is to make sure we never sell a bad investment, right? And we don't have a crystal ball. You know, sometimes our clients get it wrong as well. And, uh, you know, but for us, we want to see the most success possible for our clients. And that's, I think that's how you found me, right? Was through other people in the short terminal industry. And so, for us, it's really all about making sure that our clients are super successful uh, with their short-term rentals, I would say, is the big long-term plan. Um, in the numbers, I would say we probably want to be somewhere around 25 agents across the country covering, you know, kind of coast to coast. Um, and again, that, that all just work really with integrity. And so that's why we're, we're growing a little bit slowly is to make sure each agent that we're adding really lives with integrity. Um, for us, that's just number one. It was really tough for me to grow my brand because 
I am a little bit stubborn with my clients. I like for me, I still do all the real estate here. I should not be doing all my own real estate here, but I've yet to find somebody that I could hire and locally here that I trust enough to give my clients to. And so we're, we're going to grow a little bit slower than some of those other short-term rental teams out there, but I think we're going to do it in the best way. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, we always like to ask our guests, um, is there sort of a book or a quote that resonates with you or that embodies uh, something important to you that you'd want to share with our audience? Uh, fail forward, Gary Keller. Uh, that's, that's what I do, right? Uh, and so we're always trying new things. We're always testing out new things. Uh, so fail forward. And I guess the other one from Gary would be, uh, we're here to get our unfair share. You know, we're, we're going to work hard to take our unfair share. Yeah. Amazing. That's a good one. So yeah, Tyler, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, as we kind of just wrap up here, um, I wanted to uh, put a few things in our show notes and maybe you could just uh, let us know as well for those listening, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with your team? What's the process if somebody is, uh, considering, um, you know, wanting to get into the short-term rental space and wants to know, um, you know, like what's the first step they would take? How would they contact you guys? And, and then what would the, the process look like? So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about that. Um, any other handles that people can use to follow you guys, um, deals you're posting, things that you guys are working on, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So I would say to get in touch with us, just shoot me an email, tyler at savvy.realty. Um, and uh, and then we'll get you on a call with whatever agent in whatever area that you're interested in, whether it's Kentucky, Gatlinburg. We're also opening up right now the Red River Gorge area in Kentucky, which is kind of Eastern Kentucky, which is really exciting. You get 3 million visitors a year out to the Mammoth Cave and Red River Gorge area. So it's really cool out there. Uh, we've got Gatlinburg and then Myrtle Beach, South Carolina as well. Um, so yeah, shoot me an email. That's going to be the best way. And then uh, my system will email you back with a link to hook up with whatever agent in whatever area you're most interested in and chatting about. And you can work with multiple of us at the same time. We're not uh, greedy or selfish over our clients. I had a client ask me the other day, well, I'm also working with Tony. Can we you know, still work together with you? Just depends on where we find a deal. We're all very good friends. And what we're creating is a, an ecosystem in which you never have to find another short-term rental real estate agent again, just because you want to diversify to a different area. I'm more than happy if you buy with Tony today and come to North Carolina next year, or never at all. If you go to Myrtle Beach next year, that's fine with me too. Uh, but we're happy to walk you through, you know, your next short-term rental investment. Absolutely. No, thank you so much, Tyler, for uh, sharing a lot of uh, golden nuggets on our show and uh, providing so much value. Yeah. And to us too. I mean, uh, we're so grateful that we uh, met and uh, I think that really excited to see where our short-term rental journey takes us. We have some big plans uh, for what we think it can do to our portfolio and the unique uh, cash flow that short-term rentals provide. So I think that... Um, I think for those listeners, my golden nugget would be, you know, definitely consider short-term rentals, but don't assume that short-term rentals are anything like long-term rentals. Uh, it is a completely different industry, a completely different game. It requires a completely different set of expertise, different type of agent, um, and, uh, completely different uh, set of eyes when you're analyzing these deals and determining what you want to do. So it, it is, it is, it's like a whole new can of worms. So definitely, um, you know, I, I urge you to get in touch with Tyler, but Tyler, like you're going to send me the best deals first. You get all the best deals first. I promise. All right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. So thanks again for being on the show. We appreciate your time so much. Thank you, Khadija. Thanks, Jose. Thank right. you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.